Welcome back to the self-care unit this week for Mental Health Matters. We have the incredible Christine D'Ercole with us. Christine is a cycling instructor, decorated competitive track cyclist, writer, and motivational speaker. Her signature workshops are all about taking our self-talk and promoting the thoughts and words that can move us forward. We're so thrilled to have her here today. And Don't Clock Out is doing one part of her workshop in August. We like to start our, our Mental Health Matters all with asking how everybody is doing, doing little check-ins. Uh, we're kind of apparently in a little bit of shambles today, but we're getting there. So how are you doing, Christine? How are you How are you in your Hi. mental health? <laughs> <laughs> thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having me on. Um, as you know, my work in self-talk is all about challenging the negative chatter that tends to steer us in a direction that we might not wanting to be going and granting ourselves the agency to change those words to move us forward. Um, a lot of times there is this idea of you got to turn negative self-talk into positive self-talk. And I actually disagree with the that angle. I think it's much more um, helpful to turn our negative self-talk into productive self-talk, which is not necessarily always positive in the happy way. It's productive in a meaningful, forward-moving way. So checking in with my chatter, I am, I have just returned from a whole week in Switzerland doing a word shop retreat called Words Work. And, um, Jennifer Salachi from Therapy Aid was there with me, and it was an incredible experience for the 20-something women there examining their self-talk in the view of the Matterhorn. <laughs> it was outstanding, though. It looked amazing. I saw the, the Instagram photos, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure it didn't capture it entirely. Nothing could except for being there, of course. Really excited to have this conversation because I've been, I am the queen of negative self-talk. Uh, I, and I, it's funny because I don't think you notice, like you would want to think that when I, how I present myself and everything, but I, sometimes in my head, the anxiety takes over and I think that goes into the negative self-talk and then I have issue with trying not to be toxically positive as well. And so there's the balance of what that means. So I'm excited to talk about what that looks like for you and maybe get some of your knowledge about it. Excellent. Toxic positivity was the first thing that popped into my head once you started speaking, Christine, about your inner chatter and kind of framing it more so as productive than overtly positive, especially when, you know, we're in a world that sometimes isn't positive. Right. Sometimes you don't have days that are positive and like that's reality. So I would love to maybe start with your mantra, all one word. I am, I can, I will, I do. It's so insistent and powerful. Can you kind of give us the background origin story for I am, I can, I will, I do? Absolutely. Um, it started as a surprise to me in a class I was teaching, a cycling class. It might have been 2005, six, seven. Um, I've been teaching for 21 years, so it's somewhere back there <laughs> at around the turn of the century. Um, 
where I was teaching a climb in this class with these Japanese Kodo drums. Um, and it was one of those, if you've ever taken an indoor cycling class, that is a spontaneously inspired class. You don't know why, but the things the instructor is saying, the music that is playing, the energy between the people, it becomes a sort of sometimes magical experience. And we're nearing the end of this song and something in me was moved to say, I want you to turn up that resistance until you think you cannot do it. And then I want you to tell yourself, I am, I can, I will, I do, and go. And the room erupted and everybody was pushing as hard as they possibly could with their hearts and their bodies. And afterwards, and for weeks afterwards, people would come up to me and say, that was such a powerful class. And those words stuck with me. They keep, I keep repeating them in my head and it started to, to sink in. Like, well, that, okay, what, well, what is that? Um, why did these words stick with people? And what was this magical inspired moment? And over the years of, um, I've always been very aware of my self-talk, but over the years of examining it more deeply um, and journaling, I've always kept a journal. And also, I've kept a journal with the intent of going back and reading them because I want to be able to identify moments where I know that I've changed, that I'm not just living my life spinning in circles, that I have progressed my life forward. And I noticed in the recording of my, uh, in my journals, recording my thoughts, that these words, I am, I can, I will, and I do, prompt the beginnings of so many sentences, and they form a sort of map. Whether it's I am, or I'm not, or I can, I can't, I could or couldn't, I will, I would, I wouldn't, I won't, I do, I didn't, I did. All of the iterations of these prompts are laced throughout our self-talk every single day. And when I realized that, it sort of, it connected the dots for me that those prompts are, are absolutely elemental to to how we live our lives. How we live our lives is rooted in how we talk to ourselves. Unwittingly, we listen to everything we say to ourselves as though there wasn't another channel to turn to. And we believe what we're telling ourselves. And often what we're telling ourselves is a mix of things our parents or other people who have great influence over us have said that got stuck in our heads. And some of what we tell ourselves actually has nothing to do with us. But we adopt and incorporate all of this without even realizing that we're listening and believing what we're telling ourselves. And when we realize that we can actually stop that noise, that chatter, and edit what we're saying to ourselves, we grant ourselves agency in the direction of our lives. And that's kind of how WordShop my workshops and self-talk evolved. I like the 
it creates maybe a map for getting through what could be potentially overwhelming. Sometimes when you're in your lowest states, like when I'm extremely depressed or extremely anxious, it's hard for me to be able to focus on the task of brushing my hair, of getting out of bed, of taking a shower, and being able to have kind of a map to that. And even if I don't get to some things, that's okay too. And justifying it through that map and through those words is some kind of tool that I wouldn't have had because I wouldn't have been able to think about it. And I was able to be a part of the I am, I can, I will, I do workshop that therapy did a couple months back. And I didn't know how much I needed it until I was putting those words down on paper. And I had this like profound feeling of emotion because I hadn't even been paying attention to my own voice that was screaming at me (laughs) for these things that I need. And until I was able to put them down on paper and have that framework, I wasn't able to see that for myself. So as someone who has done it with Christine leading it, I think it's really powerful and valuable. And I especially think so for healthcare workers. And we all need tools. We all need tools to get through major conflicts and challenges and tools to get through everyday stuff. And that's exactly what it is. It is a tool, very simple tool, that helps you identify where you are, realize what you can do about where you are, make a decision about what you will do, get clear about your intent, and then do it. It's so simple. The concept is so, it's so obvious And yet we spend so much time swimming in the noise in our heads, directionless, frustrated, and, um, and unaware. I think there's just a culture of you have to, as a human being, get through these things with no excuses. And if you actually speak on how your daily life is becoming too difficult or your basic needs are not being met because of your own inability to take those steps, you feel a huge sense of shame because you might feel like everyone around you is able to get through the motions. (laughs) So why can't you, why are you stuck in that tornado? And more people than we realize are experiencing this, but we're just not able to talk about it without feeling shame or guilt because it looks like there's this perception that everyone else is going through everyone else is going through the motions fine everyone else is getting through their daily life fine they're showing up every day why can't i right. and that's not fair to yourself correct um I, I agree 100% that our world is driven by a lot of especially with social media the show that everything is fine and the show that everything is great and it's just not and i'm always always every single time i do a workshop i am always so moved by human beings who really do we we judge all the time right so i judge that this person looks like they have got it together like why are they here they don't need this and they're this corporate you know tough, tough, litigating courtroom, you know, absolutely 
got it together. And this person is, is saying how much of a show that they feel like they have to put on and how much they're beating themselves up before they walk in the door of that courtroom. I'm never, I am never going to win this case. I can't find the right words. I will probably embarrass myself and I do not have the chops to do this. And yet they go out there and they do it. But we don't need to talk to ourselves like that. We can change the words. We have the agency to do it. It's about giving ourselves permission Mm -hmm. to experiment with what we're saying to ourselves. And that simple, the simple idea of giving yourself permission to challenge what you're saying to yourself is a huge step towards changing the direction of your life. It's about giving yourself permission to take pause, whether that means (laughs) at any moment, anywhere, excusing yourself to the bathroom to catch your emotional breath and write a mantra. And for those who journal keeping is overwhelming, the idea of dumping everything out onto paper, they don't have the time and they literally don't want to look at all of the words that might come out to boil it down to writing four sentences is much more digestible, way less intimidating and far more functional and productive. I'm all for lots of journal writing. I think it's an incredible tool, but it takes time and it takes focus. And by allowing yourself a couple of minutes to write four sentences. You've, you've done yourself a great deal because you're boiling it down. And that was, a, as you experienced, a huge part of WordShop. At the end, we write lots of sentences, as many as we can in one minute, to finish, I am, I can, I will, and I do. And then we edit that down to make our mantra. And if you don't have the time to sit to do that, you have the time to write four sentences and redirect yourself. I want to say this. I think it is very, very important to note that changing your words, changing your chatter is not going to change your life. Cultivating the ability to catch ourselves in negative thought patterns and turn them into productive thought patterns is going to change how we navigate the challenges in our life. The challenges are going to happen. Lots of things happen. You get scheduled for back-to-back um, shifts. You, whatever the, the trauma, the PTSD, all of the things you're experiencing in your work that are out of your control, the stories people share, the stories you're exposed to that um, you experience secondary trauma from. All of these things that are beyond your control are going to happen. But when you have a handle on your self-talk, you absolutely change how you deal with it. I just wanted to ask, because like I said, I'm someone, and honestly, a lot of it stems around my eating disorder recovery and just thoughts about food. And I just, I, you know, nitpick myself and, oh, you don't need that. You don't need this. But for me, 
I felt like I finally had a grip on a place to start when I was aware of the thoughts. Cause I used to just like think them, think them, think them. But now I'm like, wait a minute, what was that? Why yes. did I think that? And so what's the good place to start? Is that kind of the stepping stone or where would you say is a good place to start with the self-talk and reframing? Becoming aware of what you're saying to yourself is the first place to start. And in order to do that, you have to listen to yourself and word shop creates that opportunity um particularly in the writing exercises that we do that is an opportunity to hear what you're saying to yourself and to grant yourself permission to hear it and not judge it it's kind of like allowing yourself to dump out the junk drawer of your head <laughs> we all have a junk drawer right and it is full of a lot of stuff we don't need and there might be a hidden key in there that will unlock something. And when we give ourselves permission, whether it's through a workshop or you're thinking about this on your own, visualizing, you're dumping out the drawers of everything that's in your mind and you look at each thing. You can sort through what you need and what you don't need. And as you're talking about recovering from eating disorders and the thought processes that go along with that, um, I think one of the one of the tools for that is is the power of words. Words are so powerful. To ask yourself, what if you are okay exactly as you are? What if you're actually fine? What if there's nothing wrong with you? We're taught that there's something wrong with all of us. Unless we fit into whatever box we've been taught. <laughs> you mentioned Barbie. <laughs> um, that sort of ideology was a huge part of my upbringing as a dancer. Wanting to be a ballerina and not being built for it is a really tough place to be. It's with any sport or activity or endeavor that any kid is passionate about, but not, and good at, but being told they're not built for. I mean, they wouldn't put me in a short tutu until I lost whatever amount of weight they decided I needed to lose at that point in time. Um, and being told that from, you know, just as I'm entering puberty through age 14, was um, was devastating. And I became incredibly ashamed of my body. And I had the eating disorder and all of the body dysmorphia from very, very heavy duty from age 13 to 18. And um, it was when I discovered bicycles that I thought that, oh, I started winning races. And, oh, this is what these thighs are built for. Maybe I am built for something. Maybe there is something I can do to make myself proud. Do you know, I went from dancing to acting because I thought there is a role for everyone at every age and every size and every type. And so maybe this is the way. And I got myself into a really good school. I got into Carnegie Mellon University in their theater department. And I thought, you know, I'm definitely on the right track. Do you hear all the I am's in there, right? And uh, 
I came across an audition form evaluation and said all these lovely things about my talent and my monologue. And at the bottom, it said with an asterisk, a little heavy in the thigh. And I wasn't supposed to see this, but obviously that sent me down a very, very bad path of questioning everything again. Um, it was after that that I discovered bike racing and started to feel empowered. But right when I was, my career was really starting to go, I got pregnant and had my daughter and I gained a lot of weight. And then I became bigger than I had ever been before. And I really was a big girl that they'd been telling me I was all my childhood life. And I thought, you know, I've got to find a way to embrace myself and celebrate myself if I'm going to raise a strong daughter so, and I need a job. So what am I going to do? I'm going to let me try and see if I can be a plus size model now that I'm a big girl. So I go and they, I do the little walk and they're like, we love your walk. We love your energy. We love your look, but you're not big enough. And they said, but if you use these pads, that'll take you from a 16, 18 to a 2022, 20, then we can use you for the fall and winter lines. We just can't use you in the spring and summer because your arms will look too small in short sleeves next to your padded body. So I bought the pads and I shoved them in the bust, the butt, the back, the belly, the thighs, shoved all these pads down an oversized pair of pantyhose. And, um, and I went on modeling and Every time we had to go on set, we had to stop in the mirror to do a little check and make sure that our you know, buttons were straight and your hair was correct and your hat's tilted properly. And you know, you're walking into this mirror with your chin up and your shoulders back with this confident posture because you're modeling and selling your whatever you were wearing. And I feel like something happened because it was like a like when you exercise, if you're consistently exercising, you're making a muscle stronger. Well, it felt to me like I was exercising my confident muscles, like the emotional muscles of confidence by squeezing the muscles that lift your chin and hold your shoulders back. And there's something called psychological gesture in theater. And if you continue to hold this posture, you're, it's going to create sort of the feeling of that inside of you. And that started to happen for me. And it was surreal because I'm looking in a mirror that at a body that's not mine, at a body that was much bigger than my actual body, but looking confidently. And something happened in this, I feel like the synapse in my brain that truly made me hear myself got strong enough to let my voice, let my head hear the voice in my gut. And I stopped, stopped like a double take in the mirror because this voice in my head said, stop, you have been missing the mark. There's no too big or too small. There is only what gives you joy and makes you proud. You felt most empowered on your bicycle. And on your bicycle, your success was based on your body exactly as it is, not on someone else's opinion of your body. That's where your life will bloom. Something like that, I said to myself. And I 
suddenly I had this massive clarity and that actually led to me beginning to teach cycling. Yeah. So this, you, you answered what I wanted to ask (laughs) before we even asked. (laughs) It all segues. And so this was your, your moment of recognition. Yeah. With self-talk, your experience that led you to the work you do yeah. today. Yeah, thank That's you for that sharing That was one of, of the major moments. Thank you for sharing yeah. that with us. There's, there's other moments that punctuated awareness of self-talk. Um, I remember being in a bike race early in my career in the 90s and before I was teaching and before the modeling and before the baby where everyone said, this girl, Vicky, is the fastest one around. She cannot be beat. And so when I ended up as a newbie racing her, I said to myself, oh, she can't be beat. So we're coming around to the finish line. I'm ahead of her. I hear her coming. I feel her coming. I see her coming. And I let her go. And I didn't even fight it because I was believing she is unbeatable. So I didn't even try. And when I got off the track after that race, I realized, wait a second, you didn't, you just believed the story you were told. I'm not breathless. I'm not exhausted. I didn't fight. I just believed what I heard in my head. And when we got up to go for the next race, I asked myself, what if you try? (laughs) What if you challenge the idea that somebody else planted in your head. And I won that race. I've reiterate, changing your chatter is not going to make you win. (laughs) But why not give ourselves the chance? Because we don't even give ourselves a chance. We decide who we are. And we block off possibilities. So when it comes to self-care and the work that you are doing in caring for others, All of this applies in so many ways. There's the stress levels of feeling like you can't catch your breath and you can't catch a break and the reliving of secondary trauma from all of the stories that you experience. It is so important to give yourself permission to step back and redirect yourself. And in a way, I, I love to to um, to use this analogy or this visual of a bubble, which is, again, very simple. But having tools like a visual in your head of perhaps a bubble that protects you, you can still let information, you can still see feel and understand the information and the stories that you're receiving, but imagining that you have a certain bubble around you can sort of protect your heart and remind you that you are still safe, even though all of this challenging information is coming at you. I was going to say, I think that's the hardest part in healthcare for me is, is yeah. leaving it at the door and not soaking up everybody's right. everything and then taking it home with me. And then somehow, I don't know, just 
making it become part of me. It's just, it's, it's really hard and I've gotten a lot better. I've been a nurse for six years now. So we're, we're on the right. upswing, but it, it's, it's hard. And that's what I tell the students and the new grads, like just give yourself the grace to feel what you need to, but also learn yeah. when to step away. You got to do you. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I don't think it's funny. I don't think we get this idea in our head that we have to, it's very black and white ideas about how we handle things. Um, like, don't let it affect you. Like, no, you're a human being. It's going to affect you. But to be able to give yourself a layer of protection in the processing um, really, really does come from how you think and what you say to yourself. Having a therapist can help too. <laughs> but at the end of the day, in the every moment to moment experience of everydayness, your self-talk is what's going to impact how you handle the challenges that are not going to stop. They're not going to stop. Um, I think that another image that comes to mind for me is, I don't know if you spent much time at the beach as a kid, but something I used to do as a kid at the beach was to, dig my feet into the sand where the waves were coming in and you know, the waves are going to come gradually stronger and stronger and stronger. And then they're going to get lighter and lighter and lighter. And they're going to repeat like this. And I would try to dig my feet into the sand and not let the ocean move me. And it was a game I'd play. I used to do that too. Okay. Right. And <laughs> do you ever win this game? No, no. we don't win this game. <laughs> so, it seems to me that a lot of people spend their life like that, trying to dig their feet in the sand and refuse to be moved. But learning to swim in and with the water may be a more productive way to experience life. I, uh, I don't know how to swim. Okay. Exactly. I know how to <laughs> swim underwater. <laughs> But I can't float. But I, I will learn one day. Like you're in California now, honey. You better learn. I kind of have to. I'll take yeah. you. <laughs> Yay! So, Christine, we talked about, we mentioned therapy. I think that's a great segue to talk about how we're facilitating, you are facilitating a word shop with Don't Clock Out and Therapy Aid Coalition in yes. August for free for healthcare workers. Yes. Stay tuned towards the end of the episode for a giveaway announcement with Christine Dior. Could you kind of explain a little bit more about what the word shop entails and what someone could expect from the experience? I will just say for anyone listening, it was the most um, immersed I've been on a Zoom workshop ever because we know Zoom fatigue is real. And sometimes you kind of just go into space, but I truly felt like I needed more of Christine. Mm. So Christine, could you explain? More? Thank you. Thank you for your kind words about that. Um, so word shop is an hour. It's an hour of your life. And through storytelling and interactive writing exercises, we become aware of our self-talk and begin to cultivate the ability to, to change it. 
and grant ourselves the agency to do that in real time out in life. The word shop sort of becomes a punctuation mark in, like it was definitely a punctuation for you. That punctuated a moment where you became aware that you actually can change what you're saying to yourself. And then you carry that with you. The end of word shop results in five one-minute writing experiments, I like to say. It's an exercise. It's an experiment where we are taking one minute to write as many sentences as we can that start with the words, I am, to identify where we are. We spend a minute making as many sentences as we possibly can that start with the words, I can, to to shift our brains into thinking, what can we do? Now, often the first thing we think when we were are asked, what can you do about something is all the things we can't do about it. That one minute is an exercise in erasing obstacles. Imagine for 60 seconds, There are no financial obstacles. You're not afraid of anything. You can do whatever you want to do. Have to allow ourselves to imagine. Then we spend a minute writing sentences that start with, I will. And even though whatever you will do is not going to happen in that very moment, it's, it's the act of writing it down that takes it from something that could have been a fleeting thought into possibility. Because when we see the words on paper, it's different than hearing them in your head. Then we spend a minute writing sentences that start with, I do. And here's where a little shift in thinking is very important. I ask participants to imagine they've arrived at the life they want. Imagine for a moment you are living your life the way you want it to be. What kinds of things do you do? What is your behavior like? How do you talk to yourself? And what are the things you do in that version of your life? I do ask for help. I do say no. I do manage my anxiety. So we spend a minute writing those kinds of sentences. We spend the last minute editing down, finding four sentences and editing them down to the least number of words possible. Now, why the least number of words possible? Because we are all taught that we need to explain ourselves and defend ourselves for not being perfect. Someone might have a sentence that says, I am frustrated because my job and my mother and my partner and because, 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 because. And while all of that is true and valid, nobody, nobody needs to defend why they're frustrated. You're allowed to be frustrated. I am frustrated, period. There's 
that's a completely different sentence than I am frustrated because X, Y, and Z. So when we make those, edit those four sentences down to, for example, I am frustrated, I can speak up, I will write the email, I do find relief. That could be the mantra. That's an easy thing to carry with you. That's something you can write on a little piece of paper and put in your pocket. And the power of that, having that there, as a reminder that you can feel in your pocket is a powerful thing. And that's word shop in a nutshell. What makes it really powerful is when you give yourself permission and time to do that on a regular basis. Take that tool, keep it with you, excuse yourself. I always love to use this example. Excuse yourself to the bathroom. <laughs> You close that door and you have got a couple minutes to yourself, whether or not you're actually using the facility. Nobody's business what you do in that bathroom. <laughs> you could write a mantra in that bathroom and change the trajectory of your actions when you walk out of the stall. And that's completely appropriate for nurses and healthcare workers because sometimes our only time where we actually get a moment to ourselves is in the bathroom. <laughs> Even though the vocera or the phone might go off mid. Whatever. And it's really frustrating. But it is a place that is sacred. Yeah. Um, For anyone who's interested in this word shop, um, Therapy Aid and Don't Clock Out will be hosting a virtual word shop with Christine Duracolet. The I Am, I Can, I Will, I Do word shop on August 25th, 2023 at 1 p.m. Eastern for nurses and healthcare workers. This is entirely free. And if you want to receive more information about this workshop, you can go to the links that will be on this podcast episode. For anyone who stuck around for the giveaway today, therapyaid.org is generously sponsoring two nurses to attend the premier three-day virtual words work workshop experience. Go to the links attached to this episode to learn more and to enter the giveaway. Christine will be picking two winners randomly via Instagram Live on Friday, August 4th at 1 p.m. This was just so incredible. And to our listeners, Christine can be found at I am, I can, I will, I do on Instagram or at her website, christinedericolet.com. She has mentioned the word shops, but also has blogs and email lists and a brand new virtual words work workshop experience immersion that will be three days long that you don't want to miss. Thank you so much again, Christine, and we will see you all next week. Thank you so much.